Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Weekly Cooldown. I am Kami Jace, your host for another episode. If you're joining us for the first time, this is the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week and we get to know our guest. It is episode 88 of the Weekly Cooldown. It is April 24th. Uh, There's a lot going on, (laughs) as you can imagine. So let's get into the headlines for this week. A new Animal Crossing New Horizons event and updates are coming and are to be rolled out over the next two months, starting yesterday with Nature Day. Uh, Nature Day runs from April 23rd to May 4th, and Animal Crossing is likely to, uh, the, the, the Nature Day event, rather, is likely to be the equivalent to Earth Day here in the real world. Um, in addition to Nature Day, other events and updates are planned, such as the May Day Tour, uh, which runs from May 1st to May 7th, uh, International Museum Day, which is May 18th to the 31st, and Wedding Season in June. Uh, the updates are being rolled out as free updates and events and not DLC. Kojima Productions has temporarily closed due to COVID-19 pandemic, of course, causing developers and other staff to go to a work-from-home schedule due to government orders across the world. This has caused a slight delay in the release for the PC version of Death Stranding. In a tweet, Kojima Productions confirmed that they will plan on launching Death Stranding for the PC on July 14th, 2020. Fortnite is hosting an astronomical event which will appear or rather which will involve rapper Travis Scott to launch a new song in the game. Uh, from April 23rd to April 25th, players who enter the game between these dates will be able to enjoy a concert held right in game. The event and song are both being called a quote an otherworldly experience that was built from the ground up in Fortnite. For more information and to see exact the exact times where you can get the concert experience and get some additional perks for attending, visit the Fortnite website f- for the exact times. Video game sales have increased almost 35% in March compared to previous years. Thanks likely due to the coronavirus outbreak, but also likely due to the Nintendo Switch and Animal Crossing New Horizons. As we've reported before, the Switch has become increasingly difficult to obtain, but perhaps more so since the outbreak began. Sales of the Switch jumped in tandem with sales of Animal Crossing. However, in addition, Call of Duty Modern Warfare also joined the pack of four bestsellers in March of 2020. In some quick breaking news, TF, um, some TF2 and CSGO source code has recently been leaked in 4chan and other forums, which caused players to believe their security in source video games were compromised. However, Valve has confirmed that the source code from 2017 to 2018 was from a, quote, limited CSGO engine depot, whatever that means, and it should not be a threat to security in Valve games. Valve stated to IGN that they reviewed the code and the leak and there is no reason for players to be alarmed or avoid current builds. Valve has also said that they will continue to investigate the situation and has asked for anyone with more information to contact them immediately. And finally, in what I think is one of the funniest stories this week, Fallout 76's uh, expansion uh, titled Wastelanders is being called a much needed breath of fresh air to the game. The game seems, according to players, to be much better, but with one caveat, NPCs seem to be stealing weapons off of the players' bodies. Players have reported that when participating in events in the game, uh, when they die and respawn, they find that some of their weapons, or in most cases their best weapon, is gone along with all of the ammo. Bethesda has acknowledged this as a bug and is investigating it, but players are still not encouraged to bring their best weapons to any of these events until Bethesda confirms that the bug is fixed. And those are just some of the biggest headlines this week. If you want to chat any more about any of those headlines or you got some comments you want to make, uh, tweet at Gaming or at WKCooldown or join us on Discord and let me know all about it. Also, be sure to check out for any questions of the week, and we'll answer it right here on the show, and we'll talk about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Fallout 76 story is very funny, just because, you know, it's Fallout 76, and there was a lot of bugs to begin with, <laughs> and this is just the, you know, little icing on top. 
But anywho, cherry on top. Anywho, <laughs> let's introduce my new friend. Um, we'll talk more about all the cool, 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 cool stuff that he's done. Um, but uh, for, let's let's get his name out there first, and let's get him talking. So, uh, uh, everyone, please welcome uh, Patrick Hickey Jr. What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, happy to be here. Happy to uh, talk some shop. Yeah, talk shop. I like that. <laughs> haven't heard that in a long time. Talk shop. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Now, let's talk about something. Cool. The first thing I actually want to talk about is how yeah. I seem to have... I it, like in a in another life I would have been in one of your classes. <laughs> oh wow! Um, I uh, well maybe I don't know how long you've been teaching at uh, well where you're teaching at right now for about fourteen years. Oh, then uh, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I um, was going to go to this particular college kingsborough community college. Yes, you can um, say it. Don't worry. I was <laughs> I was. Um, very interested in going to a couple of colleges throughout the New York City area, um, uh, but I ended up moving up to Buffalo and going to Buff State instead. Cool. Um, but uh, I find it very funny that not only are you like <laughs> video game affiliated, but you're also a journalism professor, which is what I went to school for. Um, and I, I just find it very interesting that in an i believe in like the alternate universe thing in an alternate universe oh i like that yeah yeah and (laughs) in another world i i was a student that could that could have been cool that would have worked i know it would have been great could have you still could have been on the podcast but we still connected though so it's kind of like you know that keanu reeves movie with like the the mailbox from like three years before or after or something like that so Oh, I don't know that one. <laughs> you never saw that movie? Oh man, yeah, it's like um, was it, it a like rom com? The Lake or something like that? Oh, it's, it's definitely not a comedy, but it's definitely a romance. Like it's like the Ooh. Notebook with like a sci fi twist. Oh man, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, I I cannot figure out what the name is though. Yeah, Sorry, but it's Keanu movie. Reeves. So it's like everything he's in is good. So yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah, we all love Keanu. He's like right? the Kevin Bacon of this generation. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, you know we also love him because he's uh, he likes video games too, and he's Absolutely. in uh, he's in cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. He's a cyberpunky. Yep. <laughs> um, but that's really cool. So, in addition to being a professor, Mister Patrick Hickey Jr. is also a author of several books, if not more than several. I I can't count three. Uh, by next year it'll be five. So two oh. are out right now. Uh. Two, uh, one more is uh, gearing up to be published like in June or July. Then the fourth is probably going to be like December or January. And then I'm finishing up the fifth as we speak. So, and they're all video game books and they're all a part of the the Minds Behind the Games uh, book series. Yeah. So you have these kind of studies in gaming books. Um, mm-hmm. One is the Mind Behind the Games. One is behind uh, adventure games and one is behind sports games. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the, what's the, the... The, f- the fourth one is the minds behind shooter games. Oh, and then, perfect. uh, the one that I'm working on right now that I'm probably like, I would say like 65% finished with is the minds behind Sega Genesis games. Oh, very yeah. pointed. I like that. Yeah. Genesis was one of my first consoles. And it just gets no, it doesn't get nearly as much love as really? it should. I think so. Ah, I don't know about that. I think it deserves a lot more love. <laughs> I think Sega Sega deserves a lot more love than a lot of the, than like Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo deserves like all the love and like Sony deserves so much love. But like, man, Sega, Sega yeah. was so good from like 93 to like 96 Oh, so good! They so left good. the they left the uh, they le- they left the industry more well not left the industry really but they stopped making consoles after Dreamcast and yeah we were all pretty sad about that we were Absolutely. like who's this Xbox we want Sega whatever I love the Dreamcast too it was such oh, a cool I system loved it. it was so good so, um so tell us a bit about why you write book why do I write books um let's see um. <laughs> So what happened was, um, at at the, the start of this whole thing, I had been a journalist for about twelve years, 
mm-hmm. and I was an editor at NBC, and I had written um, for Examiner for quite some time. At one point, I was like the most read video game writer on Examiner. I was getting like five million page views wow. a month from Examiner, um, which was pretty big. Um, but at NBC, I mean, I covered everything from like The Last of Us to like every EA game. Um, the WWE games, Sonic, mm-hmm. Lost World, Disney, uh, Infinity, like I, uh, Guitar Hero Live. I covered a ton of video game stuff for NBC. Um, so then I got married and um, I left NBC and I just, I was teaching full time and I, I was just about ready to get tenure. And I was just at that point in my life. My wife was five months pregnant and uh, I didn't want to be one of those dads that kind of like looked at their kid and was like, I could have did so much more and then I had you, mm. you know? So I was like, before my daughter is born, before my first kid is born, I want to, I want to do something really cool, you know? So mm-hmm. my, my original thought was to build a multimedia journalism program at Kingsborough and uh, I'm assistant director of the program there. And uh, the director of the program was just basically like, nah, we're not doing it. Ba- oh, basically shame. because, because it required work. So, right. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, I just, I just like matter of factly, like right away, I was like, well, then I'm going to write a book. So then he's like, well, go write a book. <laughs> so I went home and I sat in my man cave and I kind of sulked for a little while. And I'm just looking around at all of the, at all of my games. I have about 3,000 games across 30 consoles. And uh, wow. I'm just like, I know who created these games, but like nobody does. You know, nobody knows like who these people are and what their stories are. And my favorite thing to do as a journalist is uh, to do interviews. Interviews are my favorite thing to do. And uh, so I was like, "Hmm, what if I combine my love of interviews with video game history and video game journalism? And um, I just started pulling games out of the, you know, out of the man cave. And I picked out like six games. I picked out like Yars Revenge on Atari 2600, Mm. Toe Jam and Earl. Um, Wonder Boy and Monster World, Ooh. um, King's Bounty, uh, what else, what else, what else, what else, Mutant League Football, okay, <laughs> and, uh, Desert Strike, I'm pretty sure those were, like, oh. the first six, so I'm like, this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna find out, like, the contact information for these guys, I'm gonna reach out to them, I'm gonna pitch them, and if half of them get back to me, then I have enough to at least start a book. Right. So within a week, all six got back to me. Oh. So this was, I'll never forget this. This was on Halloween of 2016. So by Thanksgiving of 2016, like less than a month later, I had done the interviews. All six chapters were written. And I'm like totally gung-ho for this, you know? Mm -hmm. So we had just had Thanksgiving dinner. And my wife is now like six months pregnant. And she's sound asleep on the couch, you know? She's mm-hmm. pregnant, you know, she's allowed. She just cooked a huge meal, you know? <laughs> sure. So now I'm on the computer and I'm just kind of like, do I start looking for more developers or do I start pitching this fucker, you know? So, right. So I started pitching and uh, I pitched three um, publishers and uh, one of them got back to me three days later. Wow. So McFarlane and company. They got back to me three days later and uh, they said yes and they gave me a word count that they wanted me to reach which was like, which would have required me to get like 25 games. Mm -hmm. So at that point I only had six. So I'm like, oh my God, now this is, now this is a massive project, you know? So I ended up with 36 games for the first book. So they needed only 23. So I gave them 36. Um, (laughs) And it just turned out to be a really cool experience. So like I ended up telling stories that I didn't think that I was ever going to be able to tell. So like John Tobias talked to me about how fatalities were created for Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark Turmel talked to me about the creation of NBA Jam and WWF uh, WrestleMania, the arcade game. Um, I found out this amazing story about the Game Boy Advance port of Doom that like I guarantee you nobody knows about. Um, I talked to... um, the creator of fighting force on the playstation like so many like cult classic and like indie games are in there it's just like it was so much fun to put together so the reason why the book is kind of like all over the place from like the atari 2600 to like the ps4 was because i didn't know how well the book was going to sell i didn't know if people were actually going to like it i had Mm -hmm. no idea so i'm like you know what let me just cram as much cool shit into one book as possible (laughs) and um like Boyne's Blob is in there, like all sorts of cool 
games. So the book ended up doing really well. Um, it's been out since April of 2018. So it's been out for two years, like this week. Mm -hmm. And I'm still selling copies. I sold two copies today, as a matter of fact. Um, so what ended up happening was uh, pretty much right after I finished the book, I, developers that didn't get back to me started getting back to me. Oh, of course. So now I'm like, son of a bitch. So it's like games like Loaded on the PlayStation 1, which mm -hmm. was like this awesome top-down shooter, super bloody, you know? Yes. Um, Revolution X, which is like a really cool light gun shooter in the arcade that featured Aerosmith. Um, mm -hmm. The ports were awful, but the arcade game was actually really cool. Um, and all these people started getting back to me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a sequel. Um, so I started working on a sequel. And I had like 25 games confirmed for the sequel written. And I and then I pitched the sequel to my publisher. And I'm like, look, the first book is still selling. We're doing great. Um, I want to write a sequel. And they're like, well, what do you have? So I show them the 25 games. And they're like, yeah, no, nah, we're going to pass. We don't want a sequel. Uh. And I'm like, I'm like, what? And they're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm like, okay. They're like, you got like 25 games here. But it's across like three or four different genres why don't you start writing genre-based books? Instead of just mm. doing The Minds Behind the Games 2, do The Minds Behind the Adventure Games, The Minds Behind the Sports Games, The Minds yep. Behind the Shooter Games. And I'm just like, at first I was kind of like, nope. And my wife was <laughs> like, my wife was like, they want to make this a brand. Don't you get it, dumbass, you know? And um, <laughs> I was like, but why can't I just do it the way that I want? And she was just like, no, it's better this way. So it, to their credit, <laughs> to their credit, they were absolutely correct, you know? Yeah. Um, so then I started the Minds Behind the Adventure Games was first. And the Minds Behind the Adventure Games so cool. It's like everything from like Pitfall and Maximum Carnage to the original yeah. Grand Theft Auto. You I was know? actually just looking at the uh, like the preview page and mm -hmm. nobody knows this about me, but <laughs> Maximum Carnage was one of my favorite games as a kid. Um, I will still, uh, not that I emulate things, I buy things. I, I'm, I do things the legal way, mm -hmm. but... Uh, if I do emulate things, that's one of my the first games I go for. Um, I absolutely love Carnage as a character. Mm -hmm. I love the kind of beat 'em up gameplay I grew Same up here. on. And the, the um, thing is, that you, game and Streets of Rage. I if you love, <laughs> if you love Maximum Carnage, you'll love this chapter, and you'll end up loving Maximum Carnage so much because Maximum Carnage was like a victim of being a sixteen bit game. And yeah. what, I, what I mean is they wanted to do so much more with the game, but they couldn't because they couldn't fit everything into the cart. Mm -hmm. So they had to change things. So if uh, this is like my goal with every chapter of the book is even if you don't like the game, you end up reading about it and you go, oh, shit. Okay. Right. All right. I get it. So like I remember the first book, probably my favorite chapter in the first book is the Night Trap chapter. Mm -hmm. And... um I remember when I confirmed it, I posted it on the Facebook page for the book and on my personal page and on Instagram and stuff. And everyone's like, who gives a shit about Night Trap? They're like, it sucks. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. And that that's like, to me, is one of the biggest problems with like the gaming community. They love to like give a game like a narrative, like E.T., for example, is another mm -hmm. game. It sucks. Yeah. And then we stop talking about it. Absolutely. But You're my right. whole thing is, like, I want us to continue to talk about it. So that's right. one of the reasons why E.T. was in the first book. That's why Night Trap. Because there's so much more to those stories that even, like, um, I mean, Atari Game Over is an amazing documentary. I love that documentary. Mm -hmm. But they only, like, scratched the surface of, like, E.T. Right. E. You know, so I tried to get deeper than the documentary did, which I absolutely did. But the whole thing is everyone read the Night Trap chapter and was like, dude, that's the best fucking chapter in the book. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, I know. Yeah, you know, I like totally I want do. you to, I want you to talk more. So the thing is, if you don't like a game, you'll come, you'll come along with a better understanding of it, and you'll appreciate it a little bit more. But if you love the game, you'll end up knowing more. So like the next time you play Maximum Carnage after you read the chapter, you'll start imagining things, mm -hmm. and you'll be like, oh my that. god, I could imagine what this game would have been like if they did that. And mm -hmm. da -da -da -da. so it's just like, there's so many video game books out there that are like coffee table books. Right. That are yes. just tons of pictures and the hundred greatest games and this and that and like, you know, you know, Pat Contry, you know, has sure. his books where he, it's just like picture of the game and then his little synopsis. But it's like those are cool coffee table books and those are great to like look through at your own leisure, but they're not really like reading material. 
Right. And, and the thing is, like, as a journalist and as a college professor, I, I want to write stuff. But unlike a college professor, I want to write stuff that you're actually going to read. <laughs> right. You know, so I write in a very, like, down to earth, like, easy to read. Each chapter is around, like, 2,500, 3,000 words, which means you can read it in about eight or nine minutes, which makes it perfect for, like, the bus or the train. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, too, I mean, the book is chapter based. So if you're scrolling through like the table of contents and you're like, fuck this game. Nah, nah, nah. You don't have to read from the beginning of the book. You can, right. you can pick and choose wherever you want to read. And it's so funny. Cause like the first book has been out for, you know, two years now. And I have, you know, readers go, Oh, I just read, you know, boy in his blob for like the fourth time. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. All right. That's awesome. So not only is it, you know, a good, uh, kind of, background to the video game but it's also just a good story that's like the point of like each chapter to connect you with the game more but then to also connect you with the person that made it because i mean like right now if i go uh who wrote romeo and juliet oh i uh uh fucking wow (laughs) shakespeare yeah (laughs) who sings the thriller uh michael jackson and if you're really cool you would have said fallout boy because of course but um now, if I say who created Grand Theft Auto, what would you say? Uh, I would say Rockstar. Why? Because that's the publisher. Yes, but why, I don't why know do who we the do creator that? Is. Why, yeah. why do we do that with video games? It's like if we I asked you again who company. wrote Romeo and Juliet, you wouldn't say, oh, Simon and Schuster or right. Penguin. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I say who sings Thriller, you wouldn't say Columbia Records. Right. We why attribute we... it to an entire. Yeah. Why do we like do group. this with video yeah. games? It like it, it drives me crazy, you know. Um, so that's like one of the. I've spoken to so many developers over like the past fifteen years, mm-hmm. where they're like, one one conversation that I I'll never forget it. This guy goes to me. I hear them talking about my game, and then I just jump in and I'm like, well, you know, if you do this, then that won't happen. And he goes, the guy basically told me like, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about. And he, and then I, the guy's like, the developer says, well, you know, I created the game. And the guy was like, yeah, okay, get the fuck out of here. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, wow, why do we yeah. have like this, this disdain or this For like developers unwillingness? That's what I think it is. I think it's an unwillingness to know about the people that created these right. games. So that's kind of been like my mission to like put a face to these games because that's the kind of person I am, you know, and that's how that nerdiness in me is like one of the ways that I got into the video game industry as a voice actor and as like a, as a story writer and editor and stuff like that, because Mm -hmm. I knew all of that stuff. So it's just something that like, I want to share with people. And that's the thing too, like each chapter, all I do in the beginning of the chapter is basically like set the scene. I explain why the game has like some cultural um, importance, why the game left an impact on the industry as little opinion as possible. Um, it's impossible not to have your opinion in there, but I try and have as little as possible in there. Right. And then I just let the developer tell their story, and then I just segue and provide transitions and context and stuff like that. But, I mean, most of the chapter is the person speaking, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's so many video game books out there where, like, the writer feels that they have to prove to the reader that they know how to write. No one gives a shit. Like, people want to hear about the games. Right. They don't, you know? So... It's like learn um, more about the games and learn more about the games. Yeah. So that's kind of like how it all got started. So that was like, that started in October of 2016. And here we are now, April of 2020. And now by next year, I'll have five books out and I will have done voice acting and five different games and I'm writing the story for a game right now. I, I've edited a story in, in a couple of games already. So it's been, it's been a pretty wild, like four years. Yeah, and I uh, have one other question. How are you juggling all this? Um, I don't understand. I don't sleep a lot. Um, <laughs> my wife is awesome. My wife absolutely fucking hates video games. Like, okay. <laughs> she's, she's just kind of like... It's not that she, she hates it. I think hate is the wrong word. Because she plays games on her phone. She thinks she's slick. I see her playing shit on her phone all the time. <laughs> and I try and explain to her, like, that's games. Like, that's those slot games game. and, like, yeah. Disney Emoji Blitz. Congrats, and... you're a gamer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You know, but um, she just doesn't, like, she doesn't get it. It's like when I'm playing Pokemon, she's like, you know they're not battling. Like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're telling them, like, what to do. It's like, they're, it's not like a real fight. I'm like, 
funny. It's a turn-based RPG. It's it's not like a it's fighting game. Like, like she doesn't know the now. difference between <laughs> like a turn-based RPG and a fighting game, which is sure. cute. It's fine. She's adorable and and like you know she's my wife. I love her to death. But it's just like um, it's not her thing. Right. But but she understands that it's like it's one of my things. You know. So it's like our anniversary was uh, like a week and a half ago, and she she bought me Animal Crossing, and uh, she said to me like three days ago, she's like, I really regret buying that for you and I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like why i'm like i've only been playing like an hour a half hour and a half a day and she's like no and i'm like oh maybe like two hours maybe two and a half hours a day no more than three i can't see myself playing for like three and a half or four hours a day like i don't know what you're talking keeps about keeps going up and then um i looked at my switch app and i'm like the first day i had it i played like six and a half hours mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like i know that like i played most of that when they were sleeping so but uh but yeah, she she's super understanding and my my daughter's 3 and she totally loves gaming. Like um it's good. My avatar in Animal Crossing is wearing like a a surgical mask cuz you know mm-hmm. I don't know if like New Horizons has covid. Like I got to protect my guy, <laughs> sure. you know. <laughs> so when I go outside and wear a mask because you know my wife's pregnant now, so like I'm the only person that uh goes outside for like essentials and stuff mm-hmm. my daughter is so adorable and she'll be like oh you're going outside to play animal crossing i'm like yeah i'm going outside to play animal crossing. <laughs> that's cute so she's that's super, very cute so between not sleeping a lot having an understanding family and then um i think developers get me i okay. think I, I think like the developers that i've worked with and it's been over it's been like easily like 150 since i started doing the book um they just understand that I'm not out to flame them. Like, I'm not out to say, oh, the game sucked. Or, like, I'll give you an example. One of the games for the Sega Genesis book is ESPN uh, National Hockey Night. So, like, the developer, Craig Broadbooks, he did all of the NHL face-off games for the PS1. And those games were freaking awesome. Those That was, like, the best hockey series on the PS1. Like, those guys went tooth and nail with EA during the mm-hmm. whole PS1 life cycle. Um and he was like, Pat, why do you want to talk to me about that game? It's not that good. I'm like, yeah, but that's the first hockey game that you worked on. And that definitely definitely played a role in NHL Faceoff. And Absolutely. He was just, and he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, I can see a lot of the things that you did in NHL Faceoff, like kind of half-baked or not like fully to fruition in ESPN NHL Absolutely. Hockey Night. And he was just like, he's like, yeah, okay, all right. So then he agreed <laughs> to – so that that's my whole thing. I don't want to say – and that's the thing too. I don't think it's a horrible hockey game on the Genesis. I think there's better hockey games on the Genesis, but I do think that one, the story would be interesting to people that play games. The story would be interesting to up and coming video game developers. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just a good story about a person busting their ass, like to accomplish the things that they want. So that's like my audience. It's video young video game developers, video game like you know fanboys and histor- and young young like geeky gamers. And people that want interesting human interest stories, and like that right. chapter has all three. So that's you've kind got of your, like you've mm-hmm. got your niche, yeah. And you're you're presenting to them and only them, and that's all you care about. Mm-hmm. You Very know, good. so it's just uh, I don't like I said I I don't sleep a lot. I have uh, on my on my Mac I have my stickies open, and I have to cross it out right now. I have to cross off our podcast. There you go. And, <laughs> and every day I get, I, I, like every Sunday night I make a huge list and sometimes it's like 20 things, but sometimes it's like 50 things. And mm. um, I don't go to bed the next Sunday until everything's done. Oh. Yeah. So sometimes it's like, oh, shit, man. Wow. But I mean, I've been able to, that day that I told you about where I was kind of like, I'm going to write a book. Yeah. I just, I, I knew that that person that didn't want to help me build that program wasn't somebody that I needed to be around anymore. That was somebody that like was lazy and somebody that didn't have the their best, like the best interest of the people around them. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start separating myself from as many toxic people hmm. and I'm going to help as many people grow as I possibly can. And I'm going to make sure that every day I do something good for somebody else and I do something good for me that advances me, you know? And, um, just adopting that, that persona and that, well, not that persona, but that ideology, I've been able to do a lot of things that I never thought that I'd be able to do. Like, again, I mean, publishing a book on video games, dream come true, being able to story edit a game, 
amazing. Being mm-hmm. able to be the main character in a video game that's on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and uh, Switch and Steam. Oh my god, amazing. Now writing the whole, the, the entire story for a game in development. Oh my god. And it's just from separating myself from as many toxic people and just keeping my eye on the prize every single day. I need that energy. I needed that pep talk. That was, you were talking straight to me just now, and I appreciate Good. that. Good. <laughs> um, before uh, before we get into the stories, I just quickly want to give everyone kind of a rundown of the other yeah. things that you do. Yeah. Um, so in addition, like you said, to your books, you also do the voice acting. Mm-hmm. You run Review Fix. Yeah, I, I own. I found. I'm the founder, owner, editor in chief. Yeah. Of review fix review fix do you also yeah. do old school gamer magazine or i am a, a contributor to old school gamer magazine old school since gamer day one magazine. yeah so you do a lot of writing yeah a lot of talking mm-hmm. you do a lot <laughs> a lot of thinking just not a lot of sleeping yeah yeah i used yeah, to do that's... a lot of eating too but then that changed too that was another smart thing changing the way i take care of myself mm-hmm. so that gave me a lot more energy i was already i already had like a ton of energy but then uh April, today's, oh my god, April 22nd. Today is actually like the one year anniversary of when I decided to have uh, weight loss surgery Hmm. and um, down 153 pounds. Oh, congratulations. And yeah, completely different. That's how my wife got pregnant so fast again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So so I mean, nothing but but good things by just taking the initiative, making hard decisions and... uh, But good ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, catch me in a year. I'm going to be a voice actor, too. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, let's get into the couple stories we have, our main stories uh, for this episode, starting mm-hmm. with the f- giant social media icon known as Facebook. Uh, the Facebook gaming app has officially launched ahead of time. Uh, Facebook Gaming, as it is being called, already existed as a website mm-hmm. and inside of Facebook, the, uh, the Facebook app itself. But now you can have it on your phone and watch it live through the app. Uh, you still will need a Facebook account to access the app, but you will not have to navigate through Facebook or see other people's posts to watch streamers. Uh, the app was supposed to be out later this year, but apparently snuck out a bit early. Uh, Facebook says it won't use ads to support the app, but will apparently take a cut from streamers instead. And an iOS version is not yet available. Um, so, I mean, it's almost like big deal. But y- f- Facebook's inclusion into the video game sphere, so to speak is kind of one big move after another. They kind of sneak out these little things like, hey, here's Facebook Watch, but also here's, you know, you can watch your streamers. And then they're trying to, like, take in as many streamers as they can because they really want to compete with, like, Twitch and Mixer and even YouTube um, to an extent. So, like, it is kind of a big deal. I'm surprised at this point that, like, Facebook, like, toilet paper doesn't exist. Like... (laughs) <laughs> they just try like every single like they try and get their hands on every single yeah. thing. And, and you know what? It's fine. And it's just like um, I feel so old because like I'm 36 and um, I just don't I don't connect with streamers. Sure. I, I it's just like my nephews. One is 17 and the other one is 12 and they love YouTubers and streamers and stuff like that and. I know so many people that are in love with like John Hancock and like Metal Jesus Rocks and I'm just like so wow. they just so wait so they just have a lot of games and you listen to what they have to say like like where's where's like the credibility like in, they, they they just play games in like, about 3 seconds flat you made me feel old because <laughs> the people I go to normally when I think of streamers or people on YouTube are yeah. like Markiplier, PewDiePie, Ninja, uh, Doctor Disrespect, mm-hmm. people like that. Yeah, I don't even know who you just said. <laughs> who are those people? <laughs> like perfect example. Like I know Markiplier is on like Disney XD and stuff like that. He's he that is. Little, yeah, he's on that little show that that streaming show, and it comes on like at eight o'clock every what? night. Yeah, there's a streamer show, and it's like not PewDiePie, but uh, Markiplier is on there, and there's a couple of other guys, and it's just like they're just. 
they're talking over the game. Like I just like I don't I don't get it. Like I'm so old. Like... <laughs> well, streaming's pretty interesting. I mean, I um I uh recently got into Valorant, which is the mm-hmm. like CS:GO clone slash Overwatch baby of uh Riot design. Mm-hmm. Um and to get into Valorant, you have to um at least right now you have to watch Valorant streamers and hope that you get um, an invitation to join the closed beta. Um, but I spent a lot of time, um, ha- you know, having the stream up and like glancing and watching and seeing all these people play the game and kind of got into the way, not only that they were playing it, but also the content that they were making while doing it. Yeah. Um, in particular, I watched, uh, two streamers. One was, uh, a streamer by the name of Pokimane. She, uh, she does kind of like just a very chill, laid back stream. Her mm-hmm. uh, viewers are very much like, yay, Pokimane's here. And, you know, they're very cute and very mm-hmm. happy to see her. And that was nice. And it was relaxing to watch her. And she was just, you know, she's very good at the game, but she was kind of having fun. And, you know, if she lost. She was like, oh, darn. And, you know, it was it was nice. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't rather play the game. See. In that way, I agree with you. I, uh, I don't particularly like watching people play v- games too much. I mm-hmm. like to experience it myself. Yeah. But at the same time, it I think it depends on who you watch. Because if they're kind of fun, if they're maybe a little chill and laid back like Pokimane, then it's kind of, it's nice. It's relaxing. And I hate it, you. Because, <laughs> because now I have to watch her to see if it's she's cool fa- She's very nice. I'm going to check she- her out. I thought it was a very nice stream. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's other streamers who get really, really into the game. You know, they're, like, super analyzing everything that the enemy team is doing. Mm-hmm. And I get, and, I, and in a way, that might be fun if you like certain sports, right? You like... Because yeah. um, then you have the commentary from the player, not from, like, some guy on the sidelines who just <laughs> has a mic in his face. So it's like, there's, there's reasons to do it, but... It, it has to be there for you, you know? It's not just, like, anybody's just watching any streamer. Although, for what it's worth, uh, Ninja and those other streamers do try to market themselves to children. Mm-hmm. Because children will, you know, spend hours on YouTube sometimes or yeah. on Twitch. So, I, I get not understanding some streamers. But there's there's some little niche ones with, like, maybe not a million viewers, but maybe 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll check them out. I'll check it out. Yeah, but it's um, it's interesting. I I think that Facebook entering the game, uh, as it were, kind of opens up the market a little bit more. I think Amazon has its own development studio now, and it's only I think it's only a matter of time uh, before they start like trying to grab some streamers, and they're like, hey, we have a streaming service too. Yeah. Come check ours out. We're Amazon, you know. <laughs> Although then, then again, they do. They already partner with Twitch, so maybe they don't need to. Interesting stuff. Interesting mm-hmm. stuff. All right, Facebook. I'm t- sick of you. Uh, let's move on to Riot. So as I said, Riot's new uh, team-based shooter is Valorant, and they are taking security and cheating on the new shooter very seriously. Riot is ramping up its bounty program and offering as much as $100,000 to those who can find exploits in Vanguard, which is its anti-cheating technology. Riot has always had the HackerOne bug bounty program, uh, but seems to really want to lean on Valorant, likely to assure that the game is secure for league play. Riot will pay the minimum for a confirmed exploit at around $250, going all the way up to $100,000 for, quote, High quality reports. Wow, man. Like, most of the developers that I speak to, they didn't have the benefit of, like, patches and mm-hmm. any of these other things. So it's like sometimes, like, the glitches in a game, you kind of use them to benefit you in a right. way. You know, so it's like in Pokemon, the missing number glitch. Yeah. I mean, everyone used that to, like, build a freaking kick-ass team in Pokemon, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, in NHL uh, PA93, the whole weight glitch where players that were lighter were actually heavier than players that were heavier, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, so you just use those to your advantage. You couldn't patch your game. Once it was out, it was out. And now it's like 
developers are so smart that they actually get their players to be their bug testers. Right. And they're, yeah. and they're paying them now. Like, yep. damn. Like, the industry has changed so much. The and, idea of beta testing is really interesting because not all multiplayer games do beta tests mm-hmm. and not and especially not all single player games do beta tests but you're starting to see that more and more with mm-hmm. people getting their hands on like early copies and oh, yeah. reporting back to you know let's say capcom or something and saying like hey um i ran into a wall and it took me way through the map so like you might want to fix that i mean that's how that's how i got involved in the video game industry i had interviewed a developer and um, they asked me if I wanted to play the beta. Uh, this is the Padre, which is on Xbox ah. One, PS4, Steam, Switch. And um, I was one of the first people to interview them. So I started like a relationship with them. And I was just bullshitting with the developers and stuff like that. On Discord, like when it was on its, in its infancy, you know, mm-hmm. I interviewed the creator of Discord too when it, when it was first getting rolled out Ooh. too. Um, but uh, they sent me the beta. And I was just like, guys, this is supposed to be like, you know, point and click survival horror. So like the text is super important. And like mm-hmm. there, there's like a ton of grammatical mistakes. And I'm like, maybe it's because I'm a college professor. I'm like, <laughs> but I'm like, nah, there's there's too many. And the guys explained to me, you know, they're like, we're from Bulgaria. So English isn't our best mm-hmm. language, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, do you want to join the team as a story editor? And I was like, Sure. So that's how I got my first paying job in the video game industry. Wow, that's awesome. And then um, we went to Kickstarter, and I had to write the entire Kickstarter program because, you know, I was the writer on the team. Right. And then, like, two weeks before the uh, Kickstarter was supposed to start, our voice actor left. uh, Oh, jeez. Yeah, and they were like, oh, we're fucked, we're fucked. And I was just like, listen, I'm like, I've edited all the dialogue in the game. I understand the way that this character is supposed to sound. And I'm like, the guy that you had did not sound like the way this character is supposed to sound. Like, the main character in this game sounded like um, like Russell Brand. Okay. He's like this yeah. bloody wacky English man. Hello, I'm on the podcast and I'm just like running around. It's like crazy, you know? Right. And um, that guy. I'm like, no, this doesn't work. So they're like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I could do I could do a better voice. And they were like, really? So I was like, yeah, sure. So I went into my man cave, the same place where I started, you know, the idea for the book. And I'm just like, shit, what did I just do to myself? <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember when I first started going out with my wife, we used to go to the movies a lot. And I used to piss her off because I used to do the, in a world, one man, one tortilla, Robert De Niro is the tortilla. You know, and she would get all right. pissed off and stuff. And people would, like, look around and they go, did somebody just say that? Or did that come from, like, the TV? Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so... I knew I couldn't do that voice for that character because that would just be fucking ridiculous. Um, and copyright infringement. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> not really. I mean, it's just that's just somebody's voice. You can't copyright a voice. That's why, like Don LaFontaine, the guy who's like that's, that, that's true. That's his voice. But there's he passed away, and that voice still exists because people just copy his voice. You know. That's true. But I didn't want to do that, so I was just like, what if I combined that wacky English voice with like that dark. You know, movie voice. And I probably came across a dark English voice. My name is Alexander, and I am the portrait. I am a Catholic priest running around a, a mansion, killing zombies and whatnot, you know. And um, I sent it to them, and they were like, shit, we need you to record, like, all 4,000 lines of dialogue, <laughs> like, right now. And I'm just like, holy shit. The benefits and, of beta testing. And that's, it's because of beta testing. So I, I am the last person that will ever shit on beta testing. I mean, you yeah. have, you have some, you know what the thing is? Beta testing gets a bad rap because I'm not sure if you remember the uh, Steam uh, Greenlight program. Sure. Oh yes. my God. The that piles is... of hot shit that would get launched on Steam it's... Greenlight even worse now, but. <laughs> oh my God. You would pay, you'd pay for a game. And yeah. it wasn't even close to finished. Yeah. And the developers were like, oh, well, we're still working on it. It's a part of the green light program. So that was like their reason. So, and, and a lot of those games in the early green light, um, I'm not sure how it is now, but um, they just would never get finished. But you paid think, for, uh, but you paid for a full game. The green light program more or less now is the same as you're saying mm-hmm. it, but it did give rise to other developers. Sure. 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 To, uh, 
start doing the early access thing mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're you know paying for uh temtem did this even they're they're indie developers but um i mean they did an early access uh release of their game uh it's not wholly unfinished but there are plenty of parts that are still under development and so gotcha. you're you're playing this game and you want certain quote-unquote temtem which are like little pokemon um and but you can't get them because you can't get to the part of the game because they're not done developing that part of the game so it's kind of it's a little strange and it's a little uh hard to swallow um but it is kind of the uh the uh norm now yeah it's Um, crazy early access instead of beta testing Mm -hmm. just throwing out stuff um but uh yeah valorant um Valorant's doing it pretty interestingly um, because not only are they asking you to watch the streamers so that you get a sense for the game, I guess, through the streams, but then, of course, if you are, uh, you know, technically savvy and you understand bugs and how to report them, then mm-hmm. you report them to this system that they have, this program, and then you get some dollar bills. Dollar, dollar. They pay you dollar bills. I wish I was smart enough to do this. I've only just started playing Valorant. I've never played CSGO before. Uh, wasn't good at it. Not too great at this, but doing better. <laughs> <laughs> now you're doing great so far. Yeah. Um, I think that's mostly because I play a lot of Overwatch, though. I'm better at the character stuff than I am at the like shooting the gun part. Mm-hmm. Not sure what to do about guns. It's funny because uh, <laughs> the guy... The guy that designs all the keyframe animations in Overwatch is actually the animator on the game that I'm writing right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, you're really cool. I want to be cool, too. (sighs) Okay, let's move on to the last story of the the day, the evening, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, And that is with regard to PAX West. Although uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has forced many closures of gaming industry events, PAX West is still underway for Labor Day weekend this year. PAX confirmed their participation through their website. They also wrote that they are continuing to monitor the situation and work with uh, health officials and intend to follow the CDC and World Health Organization guidelines. It may be worth noting that some exhibitors from PAX East decided not to attend the February 27th to March 1st dates due to growing concerns about COVID-19 at the time. At this time, we don't know if the same outcome will occur at PAX West. Um, so I'm just going to say I think it's kind of ballsy, <laughs> even oh, though yeah. it is uh, five months away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's still kind of early to say, like, yeah, we're still going st- uh, straight ahead. Um, I think operating under the assumption that you're still going straight ahead i guess is fine Mm -hmm. um but it it seems kind of iffy um to kind of come out and be like yeah no we're fine we're doing it yes i don't think anybody knows enough yet and it's it's so funny because it's like i had a speaking engagement on march 3rd in the city i spoke at like a national collegiate like journalism thing about you know video game journalism do's and Mm -hmm. don'ts and stuff and uh that was the last time i was in New York City. That was the last time I took a train from Brooklyn to Manhattan. That's the last time that I went in a video game store. Mm. So it's just like, if I would have known the stuff that I knew now, I definitely wouldn't have done that. And right. the thing is, they were completely like unfazed February 27th to March 1st. They did not, they, they were just like, now nah, we're doing it. And I know a whole bunch of people that went to pax east and right. i don't think it, it feels like it was such a long time ago it really does you know so it's just like i mean i have like the lions on the wall in my house of how long it's been you know and it's <laughs> right. just like i haven't gotten a haircut since like oh. february 28th or whatever and i'm just like Truly oh, a struggle. oh my god you know like and these these people listen they 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 put on a great show um yes absolutely and they do the video game industry, a huge service. Um, I really think this stuff is all going to be finished by like August, but you never know. Yeah. And then they're talking to about how the second wave now could be worse than the first wave and blah, blah, sure. blah, blah. And it's just like, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. So it's, it's... like, I, I just think it's probably in their best interest to try and not be so lying in the sand about it. 
mm-hmm. you know, and just say, yeah, that's what we're shooting for. But, you know, we can't guarantee anything yet. And, but they're they're pretty like their feet. They are set in, in the ground. Mm-hmm. They, they planted. Yeah. Yeah, E3 was pretty uh, planted too, and E3 mm-hmm. is later in, uh, yep. no, actually it's earlier in uh, July, in summer, um, but I mean, even when, you know, the first couple reports were out, they were like, yeah, no, we're still full steam ahead, and mm-hmm. then they said, you know what, never mind, yeah. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Yeah. So, I mean, I do hope that for some reason, maybe, like, maybe there is a god, and they come on down, and wipe it all away somehow or you know a- any kind of miracle happens and we're back um on our mm-hmm. feet um sooner rather than later yeah. but um i think it is kind of um scary to well maybe not scary but kind of uh as i said ballsy to s- come out right away and say yeah. yep still going this date yeah definitely i agree, I agree. oh pax i did have a friend who went to pax east who did say like it was kind of hard and unfortunate that the bigger developers pulled out, but it did make room for smaller developers mm-hmm. um, to come and showcase their games. And he did say that, you know, he had a lot of fun with, um, there was a number of different games that he played. He got to know the developers. Nice. Um, so, I mean, there is that kind of plus side to it potentially sure. that you can kind of have a real nice uh, one-on-one mm-hmm. uh camaraderie so to speak with the developers there well here's hoping absolutely yeah salutes to you um okay so we are gonna wrap up this episode of the weekly cooldown as we move along toward the end of the show i always ask our listeners or excuse me i always ask you the guy the guest (laughs) to give our listeners a recommendation which game should they be playing or should they be on the lookout for? Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a couple. Um, oh boy. So it would be so easy to just say play Animal Crossing New Horizons because yeah, holy it crap, would be easy. it's so much fun. I've had so much fun just decorating the front of my house. Like, I have, <laughs> like, oh my God, I had my best friend uh, over my house last night, like over my house in Animal Crossing, not in, over my house because, you know, of COVID and stuff, but, um, he was like, dude, the front of your house is fucking awesome. I'm like, yeah, I know. So it's just like, it's so much fun. And like, I grew up on the GameCube version of Animal Crossing, the original. And I was kind of worried about New Horizons and the fact that it wouldn't make me feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But it absolutely does. Like the first time I spoke to Tom Nook and the first time I saw KK, I'm just like, there oh my is. God, it feels so good to be the back. Feels. Yeah. You know, um. But what I will say is two things. So you said something before about not wanting to emulate. And I completely mm-hmm. understand that. And I own, like I said before, over 3,000 games across 30 consoles. And right before the COVID thing hit, I decided to splurge um, $65 on a console called an RG350. Okay. And what this console has is the ability to emulate from... The Atari 2600 to the PS1. Oh. So with a 128 gig card, I basically have every single like Atari 2600, Atari Lynx, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, um, Sega Genesis, Master System, 32X, Super Nintendo, Nintendo, like, dude, like 50,000 games, like 50 PS1 games. And um, Mm. for me, as somebody that writes about retro games and you know, writes about games that are super hard to find. Um, This has been an indispensable, like, research tool for me. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it now, and it actually, like, the the console itself looks really cool, mm -hmm. and then on top of having all these preloaded games onto it, for... It also runs Neo Geo, it runs Meme. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. This is at... Some of these are at $75 price points now, yeah. but I mean, that's yeah. still yeah, kind of worth it. Up, like, since, uh, <laughs> since COVID, like, I ended up getting it probably, like, around Valentine's Day. Okay. And um, I just got it because it, it's, put it this way, I contact the developer. I want to interview, I want to interview them, but then I have to be able to play the game. So some being a father and a husband, pulling out the PlayStation and hooking it up to the flat screen TV is such a bitch. And then the Atari, Absolutely. the Atari 2600. Yeah, no, you know, um, 
So having this and being able to like instantly play the game that I have to write about, amazing. You know, I own most of the games that I that I've uh, that I've written about over the course of my book series. But like you know, sometimes a game didn't come out in the United States, and sure, you know, so like the Fireman on Super Nintendo. That that's one of the games that I ended up buying like a repro copy because I, I just I needed to play it. And but before before that was before I got the RG. So like the RG three fifty um is an amazing device. I I don't ever recommend emulation to people i always say buy physical support developers and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but for some of these games a lot of them are abandonware and like this this thing even can run dos box and you can play games from like the dos era of gaming that aren't even available that won't work on any computer system so if you're somebody like me and you're a historian or you just love old games like i mean i was playing the original fallout the other day on it i mean just wow amazing so that's like that's my recommendation for like a console like if you guys are looking for something cool but my game recommendation is a little rpg that was just released on switch a couple of days ago that's called boot hill bounties okay and it's basically a combination of like earthbound um and red dead revolver Oh, so it's okay. basically a turn-based RPG um, that plays very similar to Earthbound, but the story is totally Red Dead. Okay. And it's so much fun. And I, I've been playing it for like four or five hours so far. I interviewed the developer. And um, just a super cool... It's a great change of pace game because, you know, you'll be playing Animal Crossing for three or four hours or Doom Eternal, and you might need something like in between. Mm-hmm. And this is a great in between game so boot hill bounties on the switch boot hill bounties Mm -hmm. looking at it right now it does look very um it's very retro looking but Mm -hmm. in the best possible way it's got a great score too the music is pretty badass oh we like good music yeah so all right i'm into it Mm -hmm. very into it um I'm going to recommend uh, Dying Light, <laughs> actually. Nice, yeah. Um, I've been playing too many zombie games for some reason, mm. and uh, I just finished Resident Evil 3, um, which I, I love every Resident Evil game there ever is. Um, Resident Evil 3, the remake, was very good. But anyway, I decided to pick up Dying Light at the um, the recommendation of a friend. I've been enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, stresses me out sometimes, yeah. but yeah, it is... A, Yes, yeah. the parkour, uh-huh. the feeling that there's always something behind you yes. at most times anyway. Yes. Um it, it's very it can be very stressing but mm-hmm. like also kind of adrenaline rushing. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. It's very very good in that way. Yeah. Um the character is uh like a whiny kind of mm-hmm. um Chicago-based guy who like does anything anyone ever asks of him and it's kind of funny. Um <laughs> it's like a giant like fucking side quest the game sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's still cool though. It's like you you nailed it. It's pretty it's pretty enthralling and like the times when you're just like covered with guys like all around you and you always like kind of find a way out it's it's really cool um it's i got to the point where they introduce the nightmares and you have Mm -hmm. you're like running oh yeah yeah oh that's great i was Mm -hmm. i was both freaking out and very excited at the same time and i was like oh god i don't know what to do oh god i don't know where to go i was like i forgot how the flashlight worked Mm -hmm. i didn't turn it on i was like jumping on roofs in the dark and hiding from everything that moved and it was both fantastic and also like it stressed me the that's hell great out. and that's a super cheap game now too. yes mm-hmm. that, that's um, an awesome like 15 bucks right there the devs have been updating it because they realized that people were still playing it mm-hmm. um and also dying light 2 was apparently on the horizon um so i think they kind of just did um you know put two and two together and they were like you know what we'll keep putting some things out for dying light um some events and some other dlcs that are free and some other uh, stuff on the horizon and also we'll keep working on dying light too so absolutely. try out dying light uh play with the lights on <laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> Um, all right. And to finish off this episode, please let us know if you want to be found on the internet and if you have anything else to plug. Oh, absolutely. I love, I love the internet. I love interacting (laughs) with people. Um, I post a lot on Instagram, um, Facebook. I update a lot too. Like, uh, actually have a thing on my Facebook. I just posted like right before the show and cause someone asked me to, uh, 
they wanted me to do a live, like a Facebook live reading of a chapter. Mm. And I was kind of like, oh, do I want to do that? You know, I don't know. I just imagine myself like Sideshow Bob, like in The Simpsons, (laughs) like, you know, in like a a robe and like a smoking jacket by the fireplace. And I'm just like, do people really want? So then I posted something and I was just like, if I get 50 likes, um, I'll read a chapter. And then I said, if I get 75 likes, I'll wear a scarf and a smoking jacket. And I said, if I get 100, I'll read the entire chapter in the Padre voice. And uh, I'm at, I posted like an hour ago, and I'm at like 47 likes already. So it appears that I am going to be reading there a chapter. Know. But um, so like I, uh, Facebook, you could just search for my name, Patrick Hickey Jr. On Twitter, I'm on Review Fix Pat. On Instagram, I'm at Patrick Hickey Jr. Um, there's also a Facebook page for the Minds Behind the Games. You just Google, you just write in the Minds Behind the Games. It comes right up. Um, I'd like to quickly plug um, the game that I'm working on, Croom, uh, K-R-O-O-M, which is essentially, it plays like The Legend of Zelda if uh, Link had Strider's sword and a gun from Contra. That's kind of how like the game plays. Um it's a lot of fun. Um, it's currently in development. It's me and uh, two other members, Pete and Jeff Paquette. So it's only a three-member team. They do most of the work. I'm just the eye candy. Um, <laughs> but Jeff is an amazing engineer, and he wrote the score for the game. And then Pete is an animator that's worked on you know games from 2K, Electronic Arts. He's also worked in the film industry at uh, Blue Sky. So he's done like Horton Hears a Who and like Rio and Ice Age and stuff. He's super talented animator so you can find out more about that game at croomgame.com um also the most important thing um my books are available wherever fine books are sold online i do not want you going to any bookstores right now especially since Mm -hmm. they're probably not open either but um wherever fine books are sold online so amazon barnes and noble target walmart books a million indigo um in Australia, like Gorilla Books, like wherever fine books are sold, you can get a copy of The Minds Behind the Games. However, the best place to get The Minds Behind the Games is at my official site, patrickhickeyjr.com forward slash books. So what happens there is um, I will get an email that says that you have purchased a book. So what I will do is um, I will either, if I have a copy, you know, available and will get shipped out like the next day or sometimes I have to order from my publisher but what mm-hmm. I always do is I personalize the book so I will sign the book I'll write something nice in the book but also I'll email you and since I have to ship the book out to you I'll know where you live so I'll just kind of be like if you're like from Philly I'll be like okay are you a Phillies fan are you a 76ers fan are you a Flyers <laughs> fan and um I'll start a conversation with you, and um, if you if you're like, oh, I'm a '76ers fan, then I have like boxes of baseball, basketball, hockey, football cards, and um, I'll sneak in some some goodies. If you're like, oh, I'm an ECW like wrestling fan, I'll I'll see mm. if I can find any wrestling cards or like something something cool to put in your book because like I want to have a connection with you. Um, I've been to way too many shitty book signings over the years. Where like it just felt like the author just wanted me to to go away, you know, Absolutely. and um, I never ever want to do that to any of my readers. So I want to have a connection with you. Um, I had a guy buy my book, um, a really talented animator by the name of Jeff Gabor, um, mm-hmm. who, who who just finished working on Spies in Disguise with Tom Holland and Will Smith. Oh, wow. He's mega talented, and he worked on Horton Hears a Who and Rio and Ice Age. Mega talented guy, and he's bought both of my books. And um, for the second book, I put in some Denver Broncos cards because he's a big Denver Broncos fan. And um, he sent me a picture when he got the book. And he's like, how did you know? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you put a Carl Mecklenburg card in the book. He's like, that was my favorite player when I was a kid. I was like, dude, I had no idea. That's awesome. I was like, he was like the best player that I had like in in the box like I didn't want to give you anybody shitty so that was like the best like <laughs> that was the best player so he goes dude he retired in like 1994 and he goes I used to make him in Madden 2001 because the Broncos had like shitty linebackers and I'm like oh my god that's so funny so like <laughs> he ended up taking a picture and posting it on Facebook of like the book and the card you know so mm-hmm. it's like that's what I want to do I want I want to have a relationship with my readers so again if you're interested in buying the book you can go to Patrick Hickey Jr dot com forward slash books and and there you go we'll experience it that way absolutely absolutely i love that uh i can't wait to be this cool okay (laughs) 
As always, you can find me uh, at Commodus Gaming on Twitter, and you can find the Weekly Cooldown as well on Twitter at WK Cooldown. Be sure to visit the Weekly Cooldown Facebook page. Visit WK Cooldown for more news and other episodes. Be sure to leave a review or comment on Apple Podcasts. It helps. Please do it. It helps the podcast so much. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Be sure to check out the links in the description, including, of course, our Humble Bundle for this week. You can support your favorite charities and support the show. Our logo and art is by Corgian of Doghouse Esports. Follow him at Doghouse Esports Corgian, or excuse me, Doghouse Corgian on Twitter. Um, our intro music is done by Zach Brighter of Captive Portal. That's all for the weekly cooldown. I'm Kami Jace. And I'm Patrick. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.